Hi, this is Chris Marchand of Between the Songs Podcast. I'm here with Joe Cook to tell you about another podcast we've created, and we hope, if you've enjoyed Between the Songs, that you'll enjoy this one, too. It's called Nostalgic Future Podcast, and that's what it's all about. Chris and I dive deep into our nostalgia, all the pop culture stuff that we grew up with, and we examine how it's influenced our lives and how that continues today and into the future. So join us for fun discussions about some of our favorite movies, television shows, music, books. Really, nothing is off limits. We even have special guests on from time to time to talk about some of their nostalgic obsessions. Check out Nostalgic Future Podcast, available now on all the big podcasting apps. And you can also follow us on social media. It's Nostalgic Future Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And we're at Past Future Pod on Twitter. Nostalgic Future Podcast, where the past is the only way forward. Hi, this is Rick Lee James, and you are listening to Between the Songs. Welcome to Between the Songs podcast. It's a podcast where we dive deep into the music of Rich Mullins. And a lot of the things that he said in between his songs. And uh, the goal over the years of this podcast is to go uh, in depth into his albums. But uh, lately, we've been uh, going off into other directions. So we're happy today to have an episode that features an interview with Rick Lee James, who recorded uh, a song of Rich Mullins's that came early from uh, his career. And that was uh, uh, rewritten by a few fellow songwriters. But he put it on his album called Thunder. So we're uh, happy and pleased to have him on the podcast today. It kind of features uh, some, some um, a look into that album and to some of his work and uh, is how he's been inspired by Mullins in his career. But I haven't even welcomed my co-host here yet. Uh, hi, Joe. Hey, Chris. How's it going, man? I'm, I'm doing okay. I, every morning I wake up and I, I curse the people that have given us daylight savings time. So that's when we're recording this. And so I'm just in a brain fog all week. But here I am. It's that time of year again. <laughs> yeah. You live in Florida. And I uh, I've heard that, that some of the, your good uh, government representatives are, are, are going to put forward a bill that maybe gets rid of daylight savings time. But is that true? Have you heard of this? I don't know if I'd say good representatives, but they are talking about it. They're, well, if they're good, if they get rid of this, this, uh, this practice. Anyway, <laughs> we're here to talk about, one, Rick Lee James, and then... Um, I think we're kind of excited to talk about some other uh, Rich Mullins based news that we have going on. Yeah, there's been a lot happening the last couple of weeks in the uh, in the world of Rich Mullins. And uh, yeah, so yeah. we'll talk about that. Here's what's funny about this episode. Uh, actually, maybe this is your joke. I don't want to step on your joke. What, what What's the funny? I'll set you up, Joe. What's so funny about releasing this episode with Rick Lee James? So yeah, before before we started taping, uh, you know, because I, I always you know save all my best lines for when we're not recording, <laughs> and uh, but no, we were talking about how last month we released an interview that was three years old, you know, with, uh, with because, Mitch. You know, with we, we Mitch. took this we took this long three year hiatus uh, on the podcast, and now we're trying to get our house in order here and get everything you know up to snuff. And uh, so we released this interview with Mitch McVicker that was uh, three years old. And this month, we're releasing an interview that we should have done three years ago yeah. uh, because we're promoting a song that's now three years old. But uh, actually, actually, though, that's not fair. The song is much older than that. There you go. Uh, but the, the version, recording, the, the recording is three years old. So yeah, it, well, yeah and, and of course, we're talking about Rick Lee James' recording of Thunder. Yeah, so that, that's what's funny is... When uh, Rick Lee James released his album, we were just not doing our thing. We were, you know, our lives were in transition a bit. So, so here we are. We're part of Rick Lee James's promo team. Uh, two and a half to three years after after the fact, we're 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 right on top of this, aren't we? Yeah. And I remember when the album came out because I, I um I do some work with UTR Media and they sent me that record, um, you know, for review and and uh, it's a really good record. I mean, I really enjoyed uh, his Thunder album. And so I'm glad that, you know, after all these years, we finally give Rick a chance to uh, to talk about it a little. 
And, and I will say this. Uh, basically, the interview that I did with Rick Lee James is twice as long as, as what you'll hear today, because a lot of it goes into uh, the other aspects of his career that we just felt don't exactly fit onto a Rich Mullins podcast. So uh, look, look for an upcoming episode of my own podcast, Post Consumer Reports, where I talk to him about his, he has a, he has a Mr. Rogers podcast. Um, oh, what's it called here? It's called Welcome to the Neighborhood, a Mr. Rogers podcast. You can check out his, he has a Twitter account, Mr. Rogers Say, which is Mr. Rogers Quotes. Uh, but he also has a, a Voices in My Head podcast. He has tons of it. He has way outpaced us as far as, far as episodes of his own podcast. It's something like 400 episodes or, or something like that. So, yeah, hey, yeah you, you know, know. We took three years off. I think we're doing pretty good. We took three <laughs> Yeah. So uh, check out his own uh, podcast, Voices in My Head. And then there is rickleyjames.com. He's selling uh, vinyl copies of his album, Thunder. Uh, you know, you, you can get him. You can get him on vinyl, which is great. But uh, I, I personally check out uh, rickleyjames.bandcamp.com, his different, different websites. Uh, so please check out his music. With all that said, Joe, uh, what's been going on in the Rich Mullins verse, as we're starting to call it here? Uh, there's some stuff that's been coming out, and you actually have a little announcement of your own. I do, but the big thing uh, is really this um, this lost interview uh, of Rich Mullins that has uh, resurfaced and was released on the True Tunes uh, podcast, uh, True Tunes Music, with John Thompson. Uh, did this uh, two-part, big two-part um, special on Rich Mullins over the last couple weeks, and part two was just released a couple days ago. Uh, when we're recording this. Um, and uh, part of the second episode was this great lost interview with, that he did with Rich Mullins. He said around late 94, 95, there were things that Rich said that, that made me think this was almost definitely 1995. Um, but it was a great interview, a great conversation, uh, some stuff I've never really heard Rich discuss before. I won't, I won't get too much into it. I don't want to spoil anything, but it had some, some wonderful, like a couple of my absolute new favorite Rich Mullins quotes in the world <laughs> were, uh, were from this like, you know, tape that he, he recorded on a whim uh, in the mid nineties and then lost for, uh, you know, 25 years. So uh, really cool to hear that surface. Did you, did you have a chance to listen? Oh yeah. Yeah. I listened. Uh, yeah. There's some really candid stuff that he says. He also interviews the ragamuffins. And so I, some of the things that the ragamuffin said, like Jimmy A, he's just kind of letting us in. I mean, I, I think there's this moment that Jimmy A shares where him and him and Rich, well, Rich came down really hard on Jimmy one night uh, after, after just kind of a season of building tension during touring. And the way that Jimmy shares that story about their relationship and how they, they repatched things up and just, just his reflection on that, that, that alone was beautiful. Uh, and so, so I think what I would offer too about what John J. Thompson did is just his, his piecing together of all of this, bringing all these people together. And I really like his, his own commentary. He has just great insights. Um, and I have to say, I'm, you know, I'm, I think Rich Mullins fans might be a little bit jealous. I, I, I never realized how much time he actually spent with Mullins. I'm just like, oh, you know, of course, John J. Thompson was just a, you know, he had a, he had a record store. He did stuff in A&R and okay. Yeah. He met Rich Mullins. No <laughs> Mullins would come and hang out at his, at his, at the bookstore to the, to the point that some guy walks in and goes, Hey, did you know that Rich Mullins is playing dulcimer out in front of your store? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And John J. Thompson's like, yeah, I know. You know, he, he, he didn't actually <laughs> say that, but, but just the fact that that, that happened, I'm just like, Oh, okay. So he, he, he had a true relationship with Mullins. Yeah. And, and <laughs> spoke with Rich the last day of his life. I mean, That's you know, crazy. And, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. had a story about that. That was really uh, something else. And it's, yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely. So if, if you're listening to us right now and you haven't listened to that, and I can't imagine that you're listening to us and you haven't listened to that, but if you haven't, definitely check it out because it was really, really good. And um, so, yeah, John J. Thompson, it's like he's releasing uh, an actual Marvel movie and we're like one of those side cable Marvel shows. Now, I should point out that we were releasing lost Rich Mullins interviews before it was cool. Oh, wait. Yeah. Okay. And and there is one on our podcast that we released 
three years ago that, that people, if they haven't heard, should go back and listen to. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we did unearth. Uh, we were we were releasing unreleased Mullins uh, interviews way before you, John J. Thompson. We're, we were we were trendsetters, <laughs> you know, but, you know, just like we we're just ahead of our time. And, you know, that's right. But, you know, hey, what, you know, what you going to do? OK, what about your own news? My news is sort of tied in with. Uh, his podcast, because this is, you know, know, coincidentally, whatever you want to call it, um, in part one, they talked about a concert. Um, The Ragamuffins discussed this concert. Jimmy, in in particular, um, brought this up, and I believe Mark and he talked about um, a concert in Texas in the early 90s uh, that they played. And at that concert, Mark Robertson met rich mullins for the first time and it was a i can give you a little background on it, it was it was a, a concert it, it took place on march 14th 1992 and it was at a place called the bronco bowl coolest name ever great name i thought well wow this is awesome this you know, like rich played like a football stadium like what is this and and then i i google it it was a bowling alley <laughs> and um, but a really cool bowling alley and um, apparently this was a, you know, this venue was a really popular concert venue in, in Dallas uh, for, for years. I mean, going back to like the 40s, it's, uh, it is no longer there. But um, Rich played a show with Margaret Becker and Rick Elias at the Bronco Bowl, um, March of 92. And Rick Elias had already known Rich, but Mark was playing in rick's band opening for rich and that's the first time that they ever met jimmy was playing with rich so this was one of the first this was the first concert ever where three of the ragamuffins played on the bill with rich mullins so it's kind of a historic night they talked about this concert a little bit um through a, a series of you know strange circumstances a an audio recording of this concert has come into my possession. Um, so a, a, a friend named Rick Starr, big Rich Mullins fan, uh, music fan, uh, great guy, has ha- recorded this concert in 1992, and he's had the cassette tape ever since. Um, he's been telling me about this tape for years, uh, that he had this concert Neither, I don't believe either one of us had any idea that this concert was so important to the Ragamuffins, historically speaking. Um, just that he had been sitting on this uh, this tape, as well as a couple other recordings that he made uh, of Rich shows. And uh, so he's been telling me for years, I'm going to get this concert to you, and never got it. Um, our friend, Andrew Montanera, is good friends with, with Rick Starr, and actually visited him recently and rick gave andrew the tapes so andrew then goes home and he digitizes them and he sent them to me and and rick has donated these recordings to ragamuffin archive and so as we release this episode of this podcast i want to encourage people to head on over to ragamuffin archive on youtube because we are also simultaneously releasing this lost rich mullins concert from march 14th 1992 um rich mullins live at the bronco bowl in dallas so uh yeah so people should go head over there and check it out this is the confession of the church for generations and generations in the midst of all the issues that i get caught up in sometimes i have to get out by myself and repeat this to myself just to remind me of what i know is true sometimes when i'm alone i say I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the grave ascended into heaven where he now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit and in the Holy Catholic Church 
and the communion of saints and the forgiveness of sins, thank God. The resurrection of these bodies and life everlasting. As we uh, get into our Rickley James interview, we should add that we've been putting up our episodes, our episodes of Between the Songs onto YouTube, onto the Ragamuffin Archive as well. So uh, our, our Rick Lee James episode will be up there along with uh, this this new uh, uh, live recording of, of the Mullins concert. Live at the Bronco Bowl. Bronco Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> so we're so glad that you joined us today. And uh, we, we hope you uh, enjoy this in-depth interview with Rick Lee James and his album and the song Thunder. tell us about how did you find yourself in the place of hey hey you there hey guy over there <laughs> um uh would you consider recording a rich mullins song that's never been properly released it's never been put on an album and so how did you find yourself in that place uh yeah well i think i it first started when I had some songs published with Lifeway Worship in Nashville a few years ago. I did an album called Hymns, Prayers, and Invitations, and um, I was in uh, the office in Nashville at Lifeway Worship. I, I had come to town um, for a meeting or, or something. I can't remember exactly why I was there right now, um, but one of the publishers there, his name was Randy Cox, and I was sitting in the office with Randy and come to find out Randy was Rich Mullins' uh, very first publisher. Um, so back in the day, he was the first guy to publish Sing Your Praise to the Lord uh, from Amy Grant. You know, he, he was the one that took the song to Amy and uh, got it published. So nobody had ever published a Rich Mullins song before that. And Randy was the guy. Um, Randy was the, the publisher that got my songs um, he and Craig Adams and several of the guys that were working at Lifeway Worship at the time uh, were instrumental in getting several of my songs published with Lifeway Worship. And we ended up doing this album and and uh, it was fun collaborating. And so I'm sitting in Randy's office and he's sharing all these Rich Mullins stories with me. And uh, and I was a big fan of Rich Mullins. I had loved his music. Most of us who write songs and have been Christians, we've kind of you know all, all been rich mullins fans for a while and it was just fun i thought man this is this is like a treasure you know getting to hear these stories and then at some point he said you know and i've got you know a, a few a couple dozen songs that um nobody's ever really done anything with um that rich mullins had written and they never got recorded he passed away and, um, you know, Rich's co-writer, Lowell Alexander, who uh, wrote a lot of songs with Rich, um, he kind of uh, rewrote a lot of these lyrics and, and uh, they're, they're ready to be recorded, but we're looking for some artists to do. It. And he said, so I'm hoping in the next you know, couple years here, um, maybe around the time of the anniversary of his death, maybe we can get something together, maybe like a tribute album or something. And and I said, well, great. You know, I hope, I hope that all works out. I'm, I'd be excited to hear some of them. And so uh, I remember going back home and, and telling my wife, you know, I was I live in Ohio. So, I've, you know, I've got a five or six hour drive, you know, back to Ohio. Um, some time went by and uh, I started getting some some emails from Randy and and uh, hey, I wonder, would you like to hear some of those songs, you know, and sure you know i'd love to hear some and and they were they were good songs you know I, and um, i i've got to hear uh several of them you know that that i had never heard before and then one of them in particular that i really liked was called thunder and uh and i it just was like man to me it felt like if i ever got to record a song like this would be the one just personally that felt like this would be the one because it just feels like in a groove that I, I feel like I would have fun playing, you know, I, like, um, 
that that would be fun. And I, I told Randy, I said, this is a great song. You know, I hope you can find somebody that would like to record this one. And he wrote me back like the next day and said, well, I know you're getting ready to do a new album. Would you like to record it? <laughs> and I know I was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was really as simple as that. Randy had been a friend for a while and this had been, you know, a couple of years after that initial kind of sitting around talking about Rich Mullins. And I was just, I couldn't believe it. And so uh, around the anniversary, I think it was the 20th anniversary of Rich's death. Um, they had released a book called, um, I, I believe the book was called Winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth. I've got a copy of it. And yeah, uh, I ended Andrew, up. Andrew Greer. Uh, yeah, Andrew was, Greer. Another, took on that. Yeah. Yeah. Another good friend uh, and co-writer of mine, uh, Andrew Greer. And um, yeah, I ended up uh, in Nashville for that book release. And at the book release that night, um, Randy um, announced that I would be one of the people um, recording uh, one of those lost Rich Mullen songs. And so it was a really exciting time. So in the next couple months, I um, ended up at Old Bear Studios in, uh, in Buffalo, New York, and uh, ended up doing this completely independent um, uh, independent project, which we ended up calling the album thunder and uh, that was uh, named after the song by rich mullins thunder and so the song was um it, it was originally uh written back in the 70s um but the rewrite was done um by uh, lowell alexander and phil nash and so the the version that we did was was uh, quite different than the shape it originally had back in the 70s um, but, but I, I really like it and I like how it turned out. And, uh, so it was, it was just really amazing. I I'm still, um, I feel very honored that I had a chance to just kind of be a small part of that legacy. Um, so that, I guess that's kind of how, how it all happened. So. Yeah. I, I want to talk a, a little bit about the song composition in, in just a little bit here. Uh, it sounds like um, that that uh, Randy Cox had some ideas of maybe we could do um, an actual full album of some of these redone songs. And it's, it's, did that just never quite come together? I know they released uh, the one song with Matt Mayer. Uh, uh, he recorded a version of, of another song. And is, that, is there anything uh, that you know about that just not coming together? Yeah, they they've just not. From what I understand, there just hasn't been a lot of interest in the industry for uh, kind of doing another sort of tribute album or anything like that. I don't know if they just feel like it wouldn't sell or what. Um, okay. I, I didn't know until after the fact that a lot of people don't really um, they don't really like they don't really like the changed versions very well. Okay. Um, I hadn't really heard the original version of Thunder until kind of after the fact, and then. Um, there's kind of a camp of people that didn't really like that it had been changed from its original version um, mm -hmm. because it, 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 to be honest, it's a lot, it's a lot longer in its original form and it's, it very much sounds like it's of its time period. You know, if you, you can actually go online um, there's a, a sweet lady named Beth Snell Lutz. Um, she's an old friend of Rich Mullen. She was, uh, she's been with him since uh, Bible college days in Cincinnati Bible college. And uh, Beth reached out to me uh, just before uh, I went to record the album, and uh, and she said, "Hey, just just so you know, like that isn't that isn't the original, you know, <laughs> like we've we've got I've got lots of tapes of, of Rich, and you know, you might want to hear uh, what it originally sounded like." And
you know, it, it was of its time period, you know, it was, it was the seventies and, and it very much sounds like a seventies song and there was a lot more verses and um, it had, you know, different choruses and it, it probably wouldn't have had the, um, it wouldn't have had maybe the same appeal to me, you know, the way it was without little Alexander uh, kind of, you know, making it a little more, um, I don't know if I'd say radio ready, but a little, a little more palatable, I guess, for the ears for how it was. Um, but I think there's a, there's a camp of people that just don't are purists and don't want them change at all. They want it exactly the way it was. And, and I, I can appreciate that totally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure entirely that even R- Rich Mullins maybe would have been on board with that. Cause I, I think all of us who are songwriters understand that co-writing and rewriting is a necessary thing too, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think because Lowell Alexander was one of Rich's um, lifelong co-writers and somebody who he rewrote with, um, I feel like he was one of his most trusted co-writers. I feel like he was in good hands with Lowell. Like it would be different if I would have stepped in and said, here, let me change this, you know, but because Lowell and Phil were people that, that Rich wrote with a lot and, and felt very comfortable writing with, I feel like, like, oh no, this is like any other song that they was sat down and, and co-written with, you know, like this is, this is like if, if Rich Mullins and Beaker would have sat down and wrote something, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I, I don't know if that makes sense. I've, I've veered cool. off from the original question. But. No, I, I appreciate unpacking all of that. Uh, yeah. Do you feel like in the midst of it, when it was coming out or recording it, did you take some heat from this? Or it sounds like there's some things that you, you know, you, you received some displeasure from people. Was that something that happened? Um, I, I don't feel like I did a whole lot. Um, at least if I did, I didn't know about it too much. Um, I, I mostly felt like there was um, pretty positive uh, from it. Um, if there was any, I mean, it was kind of uh, kind of slight rumblings from people, but they were kind enough to come to me and and voice their concerns if they did say it. Like, I didn't feel like there was any like. Um, I didn't feel like I was being trolled online or anything <laughs> by people. Um, I did have a couple people that just felt like concern, like this could be happening, you know, and, and just came and said, said, Hey, I'm, I'm worried this might happen. So just be careful, like in the way you market it or whatever, cause you don't want it to be like you're setting yourself up that you're the new rich Mullins or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I tried to avoid doing that because god knows i'm not certainly um in any way who is you're you're way Um, nicer (laughs) well i don't know about that and i never met i never met rich mullins but uh that's 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 probably the case but (laughs) who knows um okay so i I have a quick question about you said something that I that I that I really something clicked when you said about when you first heard the song Thunder and you were you were like, oh, I think I like that song. Mm-hmm. Then you you must have heard a demo version that they had put together. Is that correct then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so did. So who was who was singing that version? Was it what? Yeah. Was it Lowell? Well, I, uh, not um, I really don't know. Um, I, the initial version, I think, was just like a little sound clip of what I think was Rich Mullins singing it with like, if you've ever heard like the, the Jesus record demos Mm -hmm. that were like kind of a, a crummy little tape recorder in a, like a church house. And it sounded like a 10 second clip of that. And then I heard like a, an actual like produced demo, but I have no idea who the vocalist was. Um, So I, I really don't know. Like it was a, it was a, it was a demo for the purpose of letting an artist hear it for possible consideration type thing. So I really don't know. Um, That's interesting. And, and I think, you know, for those of us that we've perused through it, it's uh, the, the Rich Mullins old music YouTube page. And there's just a bunch of songs that Beth has put up there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in our heads, we're, we're thinking, oh, you're just going to, you, 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 the guy that's going to record it, that you're, mm-hmm. you're just, you're listening to the old, whatever that, original old tape was 
And then you're just going, okay, okay, I'm going to play along with this. I'm going to learn the chords and then I'm going to sing it. Instead, yeah, it, it had probably been years of process. It had been, you know, it had been, you know, they, they had had their own songwriting sessions and and yeah. then had thus brought it into a demo form of their own. And so I think, I think that's just interesting for people to, to hear that process of how the, the songwriting works. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then for us to, you know, and, and maybe we can talk, I think you want to talk maybe a little bit about like our process of recording it too. And yeah, go and, go ahead and go into that. Um, Cause maybe, maybe you can speak to, I don't know how much you can say, you know, verse by verse or course by course, but yeah. What was, what's your process in recording the song and, and your approach to it? Yeah. Well, I, I wanted it to be a, even a little different from the demo that I heard, which was a little bit more kind of, um, it was a little bit more eighties rock type sounding than the version that I heard a lot of, you know, electric guitars and things like that, that were through it. And I, I wanted it to be a little bit more, um, I didn't mind it being rock, but I want it to be a little more folk sounding too, and a little more acoustic driven. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to give it my own touch, you know, um, and knowing that I was going to be recording it with brothers McClurg, um, at old bear studio, um, they have their own very unique sound anyway, and in, in their own unique studio in, in this warehouse where their studio is at. It's, it's just this very, I don't know how else to describe it other than kind of this real blue collar sound, you know, it's like this big open warehouse where you record at. Um, and we wanted to really make it kind of produce the sound of, of an actual thunderstorm, like in, in the midst of what we were doing. Um, so even the tuning was different. So like I, I did like an open E minor tuning on my guitar whenever I was um, recording the song. Um, so it was even like a strange tuning. We wanted kind of this disruptive type of <laughs> feel on, on the song. So Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. song is is just me playing a classical guitar on the beginning and then the narrative of jesus entering the temple and and turning over the tables and of the money changers um because that's what the song you know really is is talking about and and uh, jesus walking in and um you know when the prophets had grown tired and and uh and he and it talks about uh overturning the tables but the thing that i found that was interesting in that Bible passage that we often overlook is if you, if you continue on in the temple narrative, um, it ends not with Jesus flipping tables, but that temple narrative ends with Jesus healing people in the temple. Um, it doesn't end with wrath. It actually ends with healing. And, uh, and that's really where the song goes too. I mean, it, it, it comes to a point of the, the thunder of God comes to a place of redemption, not a place of wrath, you know? And so, 
that's really what the song ultimately is about. So it's, um, it goes from like a place of acoustic guitars um, to a place of literally we've, we, we had this, I don't even know what it is exactly. It's a thunder maker that they had in this, the studio. I remember Chris Hoisington, the producer, he's in there. It's like this little can that he's pulling this string on and it makes this like thunder sound. You can hear it in the background. It's this, you know, making this noise. And, uh, and you got, uh, Jeremy Thompson playing lots of, uh, electric guitar stuff just on the choruses. Um, and, uh, I, I can't remember all the, the different layers that we had on the song. Um, but I, I remember at one point, um, because it was sort of of that seventies, eighties era, I wanted like a, like a, an electric guitar solo in there too, that was sort of, um, of the time period, <laughs> you know, too. So I was able to, you know, play an electric guitar solo that kind of fit in to something that I felt like would be of that era and time period. But, you know, it was, it was just kind of a fun kind of, a, a exercise in layering, you know, several different sounds into one. And, um, one thing about Rich Mullins songs, um, they always had these unexpected layers, you know, that were, we're kind of on top of everything and you didn't kind of know where things were going. And so it was fun to try to do something that was outside the realm of, of what we would normally do. The, the project before that I had done was very, uh, it was with Lifeway worship. So it was very much, I don't want to say predictable, but it was a worship album, you know, something that Lifeway worship would do, you know, and this was very much on the indie side of things. So um, this, this felt like to me, at least that track, felt something more um something more indie and and hopefully um something that rich mullins fans would get into a little bit more i would think musically you know <laughs> on that end of things yeah and uh one of the things that i was reminded of when i was as i was listening to it was like oh it's about jesus and yeah <laughs> and, and, and at the end of his life you know rich mullins was was going on and on about, I'm going to make, I'm going to make an album. It's just going to be 10 songs about Jesus. And there's a part of me that thought, okay, well, maybe this could have gone on the, the Jesus record. And there's another part of me that thought, no, because I, because I've heard the original demo. It, it, it sounds like a, you know, a song that maybe somebody wrote in college. It, it's not quite mm-hmm. there. You know, like you said it, you said, oh, it's of its time. Yeah. I mean, that's, it is evident. Right. And uh, at the same time, thematically, I, I was curious, like, okay, yeah, what did, because I like to think of Rich Mullins kind of as a prophet, right? And so I'm mm-hmm. like thinking, yeah, what is, what does Mullins want me to know about Jesus in this song? Did you, did you, have you, you, you said a little bit about the healing and the, and his place in the temple and anything else that you drew from the meaning of the lyrics as you, as you were singing it and, and memorizing it and all that? Um. <laughs> No, I think you, I think you, you hit it pretty well. I mean, you, um, the, the second verse stands out to me a lot. You know, you, you spoke truth. You sat among the people, uh, you, they listened in amazement at all the things you said, um, like a storm, uh, that rose above the quiet, the sound of your love was enough to raise the dead. You know, I mean that to me, those are some, those are some really strong lyrics, you know, I, that, that, that really gave me chills when I heard like the, the sound of your love was enough to raise the dead. You know, I just, I, I felt like that was a, a really strong line. And then when you hear, you know, it sounded like thunder. Um, the, um, the, there are songs that Rich would sing about the, the furious longing of God and the furious love of God. And, and uh, to me, I, I feel like those were, were some of the themes that were coming through, even from this college age rich, you know, like he was, he was developing an understanding of it back then. And, um, and I feel like he was writing about it even back then, and it was really coming through. Um, and so I, I feel like that's part of the the paradox of the love of God. And, and I, I feel like that's part of the power of the, um, the complex simplicity of the lyrics of thunder, you know, just in, in the form that I was able to record it in, um, that we have it now in, in the newest version, I guess. Um, 
is that we have this this furious love you know mm-hmm. um how, how else can you maybe uh, talk about it than my my son you know he he loves thunderstorms and yet he's scared of thunderstorms you know <laughs> and uh, and i'm kind of that way too you know i i love a good thunderstorm and yet there are times that they really scare the dickens out of me <laughs> you know um and and maybe that's that might be the closest way of our understanding of of god too you know we have we have these psalms about uh this god who um who thunders and lightnings and and we have jesus who reminds us of the intimacy of God. And we see that in, you know, these lyrics of this song, this Jesus who draws near to us in the temple, who is flipping over tables and yet is at the same time healing. And, and some, somehow he is close enough to embrace us. And yet he is still the same God who thunders and lightning. And it's just a reminder to not take him so lightly that we don't high five a lightning bolt you know (laughs) like i don't know how else to put it exactly Mm -hmm. um yeah and and i i i there is a i don't know how else to to put it i i i want to be so close with the lord and and there's something about the lyrics of those songs that they draw us in so near and yet at the same time remind us not to take god so lightly so Mm -hmm. yeah it's funny how influences make their way into anybody's work, right? And so, uh, what are other than Mullins? What are some of your, you know, early early influences? Let's say, like, what what shaped you in your your guitar? You play piano as well, right? I do. Yeah. So, you know, what are some What are some of your shapers of of your own art artistry? Man, um, well, it, it's funny because um, I, I'm one of those like weird nerd kids that. Um, I didn't listen to like a lot of radio growing up originally, but the stuff I listened to was like secondhand hits that I learned from weird Al Yankovic first, you know, does that make any sense? To yeah, me? sure. <laughs> like I was telling my wife the other day, like, like, you know, I didn't know the songs originally first. Like I didn't know bad. I knew fat, you know, yeah. like by weird Al <laughs> Yankovic. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know beat it. I knew eat it, you know? Um, it was that way kinda, for me. It was that way for me with "Smells Like Teen Spirit." <laughs> exactly to the, to the point right. where when I when I hear Nirvana's song, I kind of laugh because it's like, well, this song is just kind of a joke, right? You know, like <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. And uh, and that that was kind of the way it was with me. So in doing that, I kind of it's funny how um, kind of parody songs like that. But I learned a lot of different genres that i really love um i'm a big fan um writing wise and musically of uh, like bruce springsteen and uh I've, I've been enjoying that he has a new uh podcast out too and so i've been enjoying listening to some of that uh but i i've learned that he's both a, a really good solid guitar player and uh and writer as well and uh, i when I was in high school, um, actually country music was kind of in its heyday really big. So I started learning to play guitar around that time. And I got really involved in like learning how to do country guitar solos. So people like Vince Gill became uh, really big influences on me and people like uh, Ricky Skaggs. Um, so for a while there, I was really into um, like that whole, I guess it would be like the mid nineties country artist scene. And then, um, people like, um, Brad Paisley, who were just these amazing, um, players, uh, really, you know, I, I always tried to emulate them. I'm nowhere near the players that they are, but I always wanted to emulate them. Um, but then it, it kind of just anybody with a guitar, you know, I just became a fan of, um, there's really incredible instrumentalists that people like Pete Thorne. I don't know if you've ever listened to him before. Um, but incredible, like metal instrumentalist, Pete Thorne, just out of this world. Um, he has this album that's several years old now called guitar nerd. Um, that's just, it's just like 
melt your face metal electric guitar playing you know just incredible um phil keggy of course an influence on me really like him a lot um of course stephen curtis chapman um he actually was the one maybe one of the only ones that got me into christian music before rich mullins um partially because uh i i saw him play live and was like whoa this dude can play like <laughs> he was actually a, a incredibly skilled guitarist and uh, and then like one show he came out he played guitar and then he brought out like this dobro and started playing like slide guitar like and, and he was good i was like holy cow this guy's like i mean he's not jerry douglas but he's closed you know like he was incredibly talented and i couldn't believe like the the uh, just the skill level, you know, and I thought maybe there's something to like, maybe you can't be a Christian musician and be incredibly talented, you know. Um, so like some of my influences growing up around the Nashville area, um, like my my guitar teacher actually was a Grand Ole Opry staff player. So um, a lot of my influence came from from watching a lot of those guys live. So um, yeah, so a lot of it was like, people like him telling me who I should listen to. Um, so I, I, I would go back and listen to, to old stuff I didn't know about, you know, like he, he would tell me, go listen to Jimi Hendrix, go listen to Led Zeppelin, go listen to some, you know, like classic people like that. So I'm, I'm kind of a hodgepodge and I, I still try to, I still try to find, you know, new stuff. I, but I, those are, those are some people I guess I, I really like. And I'm, I, I'm terrible with that question because I'm always, in the middle of somebody that I like, or, you know, <laughs> um, uh, uh, Tony, Tony Rice is somebody that passed away recently. He was a great bluegrass musician. Um, and again, kind of like Rich Mullins, uh, after Rich passed away was when I really got into Rich Mullins. Um, Tony Rice died recently. And since he passed away, I've really been getting into his music. Um, uh, he's, he's really quite an amazing uh, kind of a, a master bluegrass musician, but really kind of in that folk genre too. So I don't know, just there, there's so many great artists in this world. There's, and, a, wealth. Uh, there's a wealth of yeah, a, <laughs> a wealth of them for sure. Yeah. Uh, you, I heard you mention earlier, you didn't really start listening to Rich Mullins until after he had died. So okay. I don't know. And part of this podcast is about fandom in its own way. And so I guess take me back. Maybe it was when you started listening to him after he died or what was that first moment for you where you thought, huh, Rich Mullins. Now, like something reached out and grabbed you with his personality or one of his songs. What, what was that moment for you? Huh. Um, yeah. Well, you know, when he when he first grabbed me. Um, he he. You know what? When he first grabbed my attention was when he died. Mm -hmm. uh, th that's going to be a strange thing to say, but I was at a concert with uh, in Tennessee. I was in college, and um, he. I, mean, I, I had heard his music before. I just wasn't listening to much of any uh, Christian music at that time. I had gotten into Stephen Curtis Chapman a little bit. I was at a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert. It was an outdoor festival, and Third Day was opening for him. And um, and third day was just about to take the stage and they came out thousands of people at this festival in, in Nashville where I was. And they just came out and made the announcement and they said that Rich Mullins had been killed in a car accident just a few hours earlier. And uh, this kind of joyous festival, all of a sudden, like this hush came over the crowd. I mean, it was like whoa <laughs> you want to talk about a moment of like lament and um and one thing i did know was my roommate was uh a, a fan and i kind of heard rich mullins music because of him and i knew that rich mullins had played on third day's uh first album and third day came out and just started singing rich mullins songs you know and they started singing oh god you are my god and i will ever praise you and things like that and and i started like recognizing some of the songs that i probably didn't realize were even rich mullins's mm -hmm. songs you know at that moment um and i think uh 
just because like in that moment uh and then the whole rest of the evening like uh, third day did some of their songs and then Stephen curse did his songs but the rest of the night kind of became a rich mullins tribute night you know in some ways because people started telling stories about rich and his focus on heaven and kind of how much he you know they started going through his lyrics and stuff and talking about just you know the way he kind of longed for home and different stuff like that it kind of got me into him a little bit kind of like I, I need to investigate more about him like I didn't really I didn't really know much about him while he was alive so I just kind of started diving more into the Rich Mullins uh, rabbit hole I guess I would say and it was it was the Jesus record that kind of got me on board um, the, cause it, it came out pretty quick after he died. Um, and of course I'm, I'm a college kid, so I'm, I'm borrowing something about living in a college community. Everybody's got everybody else's CDs. So <laughs> at that time, um, you know, we, we weren't really, um, uh, doing MP3s and stuff yet at that time. So we're kind of borrowing everybody's albums. So, um, I've got the songs CD where he's, you know, covering, his face with both of his hands and just some really powerful songs on that album. And then there's songs too, that comes out. And, um, and I'm just like, man, there's such a, a wealth of songs that are on here. So um, I get a job uh, as a youth pastor and I just have a really tough first, uh, first assignment. And I'm telling you, it's like, it's like the songs of Rich Mullins were like keeping me alive in ministry <laughs> at that point. And uh, anyway, yeah, his, his, uh, his music just really was speaking to me in, in some amazing ways. I mean, the, the, the songs were just like, um, yeah. I, so I, that was like the, the moment when he died. Like I remember just being among so many people and it like drove me to start knowing more about him so that's probably really kind of a funny thing to say but it was just like being impacted in that moment by so many people there that were so impacted by that moment um and and i just kind of remember thinking like wow if so many people were so affected you know by this this one guy um who potentially could have even been there playing that night at this festival i mean he he could have possibly been he just wasn't uh, you know, uh, booked there at that time. So, uh, but do you mind if I share a story though? Because this is actually one of the stories that I, I actually pulled out of that book, Winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth. But to me, this is like one of the best Rich Mullen stories because, and it's from that book and it's from Lowell Alexander who, you know, co-wrote Thunder with Rich. Um, so if you don't mind, I just, this is one of my very favorite Rich yeah. Mullen stories. Not long after Rich's record, Pictures in the Sky, had released, he and I were driving through Nashville, headed to a church where he was to perform that evening. As we were winding our way through a crowded traffic situation, a man in a rusty Toyota sped down the ramp, nearly sideswiping us. The man's face was next to the passenger side window of our car, so Rich and I both caught a front seat look at the road rage offender. He had a ruddy complexion and a tattered jacket pulled up around his neck. A cigarette dangled from his mouth like some old B-movie villain, and his recklessness caused panic on our little portion of the freeway. After the shock of almost being pummeled, we looked up, and the man was right in front of us. My initial reaction was to follow him and beat him like a rented mule. <laughs> Rich must have felt similarly. Amid the chaos, I looked over and saw the writer of Senior Praise to the Lord lean up on the dashboard, taunting the weathered driver who was now watching us through his rearview mirror. Rich, with his first and second fingers positioned as if he were smoking, was pulling the invisible cigarette frantically to and from his mouth, mocking the reckless driver. Then as the Toyota sped away, Rich sat back in his seat and a quiet, and a quiet hung heavy for the next mile or so until he spoke the words I will never forget. Out of the silence, I heard Rich say with that familiar Midwestern accent, I know that was Jesus. He sighed and looked so sad at that moment as if he had failed a test from God himself. As he stared out the window, he said it again as if growing more disheartened, I know that was Jesus. 
We sat in silence for the rest of the drive. And those few words he had simply and profoundly summed up so much of the gospel. Rich knew he had failed to consider that man as Christ would have considered him. I also failed that day, but took away a lifetime lesson. Rich's words showed me a person serious about sculpting away the ugly edges of his life until only a work of art sculpted into the image of Jesus stands. That experience still resonates in my heart begging me to be quicker to show mercy rather than anger, to exhibit love to those who offend me, to forgive as I would want to be forgiven, and to extend charity to my enemy. What a different world this would be amidst all the vitriol and acrimony if we could kill our pride and just act like Jesus. So that's one of my favorite Rich Mullen stories. What I like about that is the challenge of we're inspired by that moment in his life, but it's also a moment of his own failure. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's not this, it's not this saintly thing. It's more like, oh man, I, I, I missed it a little bit. I, 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 mm -hmm. I and so that, that desire, that pushing that, that, those tensions within himself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, truly. Well, thanks for sharing that. You bet. Uh, yeah, and, and for, for, for me, you know, I got a lot from him from listening to different interviews and different transcripts. And so it's great to hear other stories, right? You know, other, other yeah. people share new stories that you've never heard before. Yeah. Uh, as we wrap up, can you share what's, what's on the horizon for you as an artist? Um, maybe, maybe this is two questions at once, once which is, you are always balancing your ministry, the ministry side of your life uh, in your local church with, hey, I'm trying to do my, my music career and the artist side of my life. Uh, can you share a little bit about how you balance that, but also what's, what's next for you uh, with your music? Yeah, well, I, I actually uh, am starting, I just started yesterday. I've uh, set up a home recording studio and I'm trying to learn that a little bit because I've got some new music I want to record. So even this morning, I was downstairs trying to record a new song. So hopefully got some new music coming uh, out this year if I can get everything uh, all together. It's going good so far. I've got several new songs that I would like to record. And uh, so if anything, um, hopefully the 2020 turning into 2021 having spent time at home has given me an opportunity to do some writing. So hopefully I can get some of those songs down and um, going to try something I haven't really done before. Uh, maybe doing a home recording instead of uh, trying to go out to places like Nashville and Buffalo and different areas where I've done um, some, you know, big budget production type stuff. I may actually try to do an actual like um, stay at home actual home recording and see how how it goes um i've learned a lot over the years um in actual studio places and see what kind of sound i can get for myself and maybe i'll fail miserably but we'll <laughs> we'll see what happens um but i'm liking I'm, I'm enjoying the process of kind of learning how to do um uh, self-produced stuff and um in the meantime i've uh, i've put out uh, some new music. Re I recently did a, a new music video, uh, kind of a lyric video, but also it's it, it actually is kind of a very pretty um, music video for the song. Um, shoot, why did I just forget? Uh, Be my all. <laughs> it's been a long morning. Be my strength when I'm too burdened. Be my voice when I can't speak. Be my light when night is my morning. Be my side when I can't see. Be my food when hunger overwhelms me. Be my mind when my thoughts fail. Be when I cannot reach Be my song When I cannot sing Be my comfort In my grief, oh 
Be My All. There's a song called Be My All. I wanted to call it Let It Be, but that's the Beatles. That's not my song. Um, there's wrote, a song I wrote. Yeah. Yeah. It's a song called Let It Be uh, by. Uh, yeah, you'll hear it. Yeah, that's right. All. Yeah, Be My All. Uh, it's a song that's actually on the album Thunder. Um, I actually wrote it uh, with Randy Cox, who I talked about earlier, um, who uh, brought the Rich Mullen song to me. And uh, so there's a, a really pretty lyric video that we were able to put out for the song Be My All. So if you wanted to go online and check that out, um, I really like. Uh, what the producers did with that and um, kind of speaks more than we realized, I think, to our time of the, the pandemic of not being able to be near each other right now and kind of allowing the Lord to be our all. Other than that, just still trying to um, be safe and keep others safe around us as much as we can during this time of pandemic and making good choices and, and trying to be healthy and keep others healthy around us as much as we can. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love for people to go to my website at rickleyjames.com and they can pretty much find out everything about what's going on with me there. And, and, uh, I, I'm always appreciate feedback. Well, thanks so much for your time. And, uh, if they haven't discovered Thunder yet, they can they can find a way. There, it's even on vinyl, right? If you're if you're, yeah. if you're that type, so <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I and I I'd love to sell them a copy. We've got plenty of them to sell. So <laughs> hey, Chris, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me and taking the time. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate it. thank Rickley James again for taking the time to talk with us, to share with us about his his own influence of Rich Mullins on his life and all that went into the recording of Thunder, both uh, the song itself and the album. Again, you can find Rickley James's music at rickleyjames.com or rickleyjames.bandcamp.com. And of course, you can check out his Voices in My Head podcast or his Mr. Rogers podcast in a Twitter account. So please check him out. We do have more episodes coming up. We have a, a season of episodes. And Joe, what, what do you want to let us in on about that for, for the upcoming months? Okay, so in uh, a couple weeks, we're going to be uh, hitting what is the two-year anniversary of the passing of Rick Elias. You know, uh, Rick, uh, of course, the uh, one of the founding members of a ragamuffin band and a great solo artist in his own right. And uh, but a good friend of Rich Mullins and uh, comrade of his. And uh, so Rick passed away uh, on April 2nd of 2019. And uh, we have really been talking about this for the last couple of years of how we've wanted to pay tribute to Rick on the podcast. Um, Rick, actually, um, a lot of people don't know it, uh, had intended to come on this podcast. I, I had a few conversations with him about it. He was excited about doing it, but um, because of his health, it, it just never happened. But we had sort of committed to him that we were going to do something highlighting his music. And we really wanted to make good on that promise. And the time just seemed right for us now. So we're going to be doing a series of episodes over the next several months where we highlight Rick Elias and his solo music in particular. We're going to go through uh, each of his albums and just have a kind of a discussion on the music, um, maybe a few surprises here and there. But um, so we're kicking that off early next month with a tribute episode to Rick. This is going to be just a, our tribute to Rick. We're, we've reached out to some of his friends and the folks who worked with him and people who loved Rick Elias. And so uh, in a couple weeks, uh, we're going to be releasing that episode. So definitely Keep an eye out for that and uh, follow us on uh, on Facebook or Twitter and uh, and of course on YouTube on Ragamuffin Archive. The um, yeah, so that that's uh, that's what's coming up, and we're going to be uh, doing that over the next probably probably five or six months that we'll be uh, we'll be highlighting uh, Rick Elias and his music from everything from you know. Uh, Rick Elias and the Confessions all the way through maybe even his work on that thing you do. Yeah, we're happy to be able to do this. 
one of the things that always gets talked about with, with Rick Elias is, is living in the shadow of Mullins. And so <clears throat> we're happy to let him just shine on his own with his own work. I mean, you know, his albums actually got put in the top 100 of uh, the CCM, famous CCM uh, list of top 100 albums or whatever. Rick Elias' work uh, it stands up on its own, and so it's there. So we're just happy to, it, I mean, we, we both enjoy his music on its own, so we're happy to be able to just take some time and kind of do a dive into his his own work. Yeah, he, he was definitely, he was one of the unsung heroes of uh, CCM. So thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening this week. Again, check out Rick Lee James, uh, his own work, and uh, have a great time, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>